0: Good morning. This month, we start a new series called "Houses of God," and it is about creating life groups. And we we had a, a mission at the beginning of this year to get everybody involved in a life group by the end of the year. Um, Somebody released a virus to hinder that from happening. I don't think it was anybody in this church, uh, but I don't think you hate life groups that much. But uh, but we now are trying to refocus and and have to think through it a little bit more innovatively And that sometimes you you might be thinking, there's no way I'm going to anybody else's house, and and that's okay, especially if you're watching on the live stream or whatever. I, I kind of anticipated that, but... We have found new ways to connect with each other that are a little bit more um, modern, and that to, whether we get through. I remember back, way back we had Google Hangouts, and uh, there was Skype already, and then Google Hangouts came out. We found different ways to do meetings and so forth online. We had different things going on. We thought those things were so cool. Now uh, that is uh, something that everybody. Zoom was something that is was not around way back when, but but there are many ways that you can online through the internet through the miracle of the internet we have ways to connect with one another with a camera we do every wednesday night at six o'clock we meet together online and do a bible study together and so so we know that we have ways to do this and so if you want to connect with other people and maybe it could be a hybrid some of you are there live in person and others are there brought in through zoom but here's here's the key this is it's got to be a, a matter of us just making this happen And the thing that we'll be saying over and over again, and you'll get tired of me saying this, is just if you are not in a life group, then just think of one person, one other household, somebody that you know, that you call on the phone already, has somebody who's a part of this church, attends this church, isn't connected to another church. Call them up and say, hey, can we meet and pray once once a month together? Would you have a problem with that? If they say yes we would have a problem with that. They're really not your friends anyway, are they? I mean, you thought they were friends, but now they're not even willing to meet with you, to eat with you, or to pray with you. So that has to redefine your thinking process. about. But but here's the idea. And this started back in, uh, when we first started in ministry in Smiths Grove, Kentucky, back in 1991, we were reading about this guy in Portland, Oregon, of all places, who had this Church and he had what was called 2020 Vision, which is, uh, and the goal was by the year 2020. This is back in 1991 that their entire fellowship would be a cell church, and the idea was, and he he was looking at what was happening in China, and other places around the world, and he believed by this time that Americans would not be allowed to meet publicly. And so he was trying to strengthen the church by creating cell churches, which is just churches that met in people's homes, so that this would take place. So that what would happen is if the church was told we can't meet together publicly, that the church would still remain strong because we had developed relationships within our homes. And we can continue on doing the ministry of the church and carry out the mission of the church in our houses, in our houses, our houses. Now if you're like me, you grew up in the church and when you asked what is the house of God, you immediately think of this building. This is the house of God. And then you have some young rogue preacher who comes along and says, "No, this is not the house of God. Uh you know, God does not dwell in places made with human hands or whatever. This is the church, are the people. If we if we're not inside here, there is no church here if the people are not gathered together. And theologically that is very accurate. But the Truth is, is, people do think of this as God's house. And there is a reverence for it, And there should be a reverence for a place where we gather together to worship God and to meet together and pray together. But this is not sufficient for us to really be the church that God has called us to be. We need more houses of God. We need more houses of worship. And God has blessed us you, many of you, with a house. And that house, because you are a servant of the living God, because you're a follower of Jesus Christ, needs to be reverenced and made available to him. Say, so God, use our home. Use our home as a place for people to meet together, for people to gather together, and fulfill the mission of the church together here in this place. Now, it's not saying that you start some rogue leadership. I mean, we still have a, a church body. We still, you still have a pastor who provides you guidance and direction and leadership and, and helps you to know how to what you should do when you come together. But if there was, I mean, heaven forbid there would ever be a time when we couldn't meet together publicly. But let me tell you, I'm sure there are many places in the world that thought they would never see a time when they couldn't meet together publicly. And not only... And I don't I don't anticipate that in my lifetime. So I'm not trying to make some type of radical idea of where the church is going to wind up in the next twenty years. I don't know what's going to happen to the church in the next 20 years. But I know this: when you and I meet in our homes with other believers, and we pray together, we break bread together, we pray together, we are stronger as the body of Christ. We're stronger when we get together in circles instead of just meeting in rows, So the purpose of the series is to get us thinking in this direction. Is my house that I live in, is it a house of God? What needs to be done for me to reverence the Lord in my home, to welcome people in and to make it also a place of worship? Now we have a little thing that we... A chart that we made out to kind of understand our mission as a church. Our, we have four words that kind of articulate our mission: as live, learn, love, and lead. And the first one, live, we carry out. We accomplish that mission through life groups, and life groups meet once a month. Uh, we, we, they are closed, meaning we don't. Uh, once you have a group of people that meet together, because it is a group that meets together and shares things confidentially and so forth, it's a it's a group that uh, is just that. And they meet, eat, and pray. We have learning groups uh, that are uh, Bible studies. They meet weekly. Uh, we call them Sunday school. We call them Bible studies, whatever you want to call it. When you get together each week to study God's word, same thing. And that's how we accomplish the learning aspect of our mission. They're curriculum-based, meaning there's something that we're uh, following, a program, to learn more about God's word and what he teaches us. And then we learn how to apply that through the third aspect of our mission statement, which is love. And and it goes just in line with God's word to love the world or love people as he loves us. And that's the ministry that we do. And, And when we say it's quarterly, you can do ministry every day, but at least once a quarter to be involved in some form of ministry where you are applying the things you have learned in God's word. And those are either open or closed. meaning It just depends on the function of the ministry and who is gifted in that way. And they're organized by our ministry teams here at the church. And then finally, we have a Hoosier One campaign every February to do the last part, lead. And that doesn't mean when we say lead, we're not talking about becoming a leader. We're talking about leading people to Christ. So you are a leader of sorts. You are leading people to Jesus. But... We always emphasize our followership is more important than our leadership and because we have a king who is our leader and so we're leading people to him and the question is who's your one who is the person who you are actively leading to Christ and we have a campaign each year that after in March usually and um, and it's a church-wide campaign. So that those are the four aspects of how we accomplish this and, and this month we are focusing on that first one. The first one of being involved in a life group to meet, eat, and pray. The passage we're going to look at today is in Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 42. It's a passage we've looked at not too long ago. We're going to look at one verse today, but we're going to spend some time. We're going to read the first few verses are going to be kind of the background to that. And if the setting is at Pentecost, when the disciple Jesus has ascended into heaven... The disciples are at a Pentecost celebration. This is this is before there was such a thing as Pentecostal, so this predates that. The word Pentecostal comes from this event, um, but the uh, but the idea was is that they were celebrating a very Jewish event, and lots of people were flooding into the city of Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they had this moment where they were speaking languages they had never spoken before, where everybody is hearing the message of God in their own language, and then Peter speaks boldly about the gospel, and thousands of people get saved. And as a result, the church comes into formation. Now Luke is relating this historical event to Theophilus, as he's spelling out through the book of Acts, this is how the church got started. And so he has some like summation statements to kind of say, and after that happened, here's the things that took place thereafter. And and not that it took place in one moment, but that it was kind of like, here's kind of how this unfolded in the days, weeks, and months after that. And in verse 37, he says, when they heard this, and he's talking specifically about what happened at that event, he said, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart, said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? This is how they responded to God's word, how how we should respond to God's word. This should never be about me making you want to do something. You should hear God's word and say, Pastor, I've listened to the word of God. Now, what do we do in response to it? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That message hasn't changed any. When you first hear the gospel and and are are moved by it and say, what do I do? I I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to spend an eternal separation from God. What do I do? How do I respond? And and the word is always repent. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn from going away from God. Turn back to God. Be baptized to show that now you are a follower of Jesus Christ and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, we know that when you first repent that you receive that gift. Gift of the Holy Spirit. He says. For the promise is for you. And for your children. And for all who are far off. That's us. We weren't there. And we aren't necessarily even the children of the people who were there. But we are in the all who are far off category. As many as the Lord our God will call. You see it is. It is a calling. It is a God reaching out to us, us hearing his word and being moved by his word. We don't all hear that call. But if you have heard the call, then you are in that group of people who God's grace has been shown to. And he says, with many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. That's one of those summary statements. And then he says, so those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. That's a big revival moment. And then as a result of that, verse 42, he goes to this summary statement that's going to be our focus today of what happened after they came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, were filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in Jesus' name. What happened after that? It says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you God for your word and pray this morning as we look at this passage, Lord, that you will help us to understand. What we are talking about is what the church has been doing for 2,000 years. Sometimes we overcomplicate things. And, Lord, we want it to be simplified today. We want to see this is just something that we should have already been doing if we aren't already doing it. Many are already doing it and don't even know that they're doing it because they just did it naturally. But, Lord, we want to make sure we're very intentional about this. We know that the enemy has a way of distracting us, of diverting us, of getting our focus in other places, of making us think that other things are more important. May we see the importance of this very simple mandate, very simple practice of the church, we prayed in Jesus name amen i've many times people have said to me i wish we could be more like the first century church and and i that's always been one of my my hopes is that we would be a, a first century church in a 21st century world doing practicing church just exactly as the church was formed in its very early stages. Now, it's going to be different because we live in a different culture. We speak a different language. We're different people. It's a different time. But what we're going to look at in this 40, verse 42 is we're going to see things that are there that have that should not only shape who they were and was just a natural practice of the church, but it should be our natural practice as well. And the first thing is about we should meet. That sounds very simple, doesn't it? Just to meet to get together and I my son and I have uh, my older son David uh, and I I have to kind of encourage him a little bit because sometimes he gets into this wanting things to be random chance encounters because he gets into this um, idea that uh, the serendipity idea of that it means more if it just happens by chance or by accident. Like, let's just go through life, and let's see if we come together. And and he'll be like that. It's like, hey, I'm going to be in town. It's like, well, if we should happen to run into one another, then maybe we can do something. And I'm like, well, why don't we just plan to run into one another so I can see my grandchild? How about that? Let's do that. Instead of you just trying to create a random encounter, I want to create a very purposeful encounter. And um, and so usually I, I win. But the... But the idea is is that we sometimes function like that in the church. It's like we're just living our lives, and if all of a sudden I should wind up in a circle of people and we're meeting together, then that would be amazing. Or if it just works out, your schedule works out, my schedule works out, wouldn't that be awesome? But you have to understand there are forces at work against you. There are there is an enemy for one thing, there are three forces we always talk about. There's three Three forces that work against us. The enemy, Satan himself, is trying to keep you from doing what God wants you to do. So he's going to put things in your life to hinder you from connecting with other people on a regular basis. Especially connecting with the body of Christ. The world itself. The world itself creates things. The world is going on its own own timeline, and we intersect with the world in a lot of places. We're in school systems that are not necessarily controlled by the Holy Spirit. We have governments that are not controlled by the Holy Spirit. We have all types of community functions that are not controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so when we are interacting with those things, those things will naturally hinder us from doing that which the Holy Spirit wants us to do. And then we have our very own flesh, ourselves, me, myself, and I. I. I myself have a predisposition not to do what God wants me to do. And so I naturally, it's like I know I need to get up in the morning to be at a certain place at a certain time, and that alarm goes off. And then Satan develops something called the snooze button. That he put on every alarm clock in America, and we hit that snooze button. Why? Because I'm so much better thinking at 5 a.m. than I am at 9 p.m. the night before when I set that alarm. You know, at 5 a.m., I'm not thinking clearly at all, but I'm hitting that snooze button because my flesh is going, N-n-n. no, don't want to do it. Don't know how much, I don't, don't. I know God wants me to be there. I know God wants me to get up and have this quiet time and extra time and whatever with Him or whatever, but not feeling it. Not feeling it right now. So my own flesh fights against me. Look, but I'm just, we're just going to highlight what's said in this verse 42, though. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, we're going to spend an entire year, I know you're excited about this, an entire year on that little piece of scripture, okay? So hold that one, put a pin in that, starting in January. Now, every message, every sermon won't just have that verse, but the the idea behind that verse, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, is going to be all of next year. So we're focused on this part. To the fellowship, just stop right there. To the fellowship, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship. That means they made a commitment. It means that they were intentional. And building relationships in the church has to be intentional. We need to be intentional. We need to meet intentionally. We need to meet intentionally. That means that we set times aside and say, this is when we're going to get together. So as we're encouraging people to get in life groups, here's the one thing we're going to say over and over again. And that is set a date, set a time and a place and meet at that time. And somebody's going to have a soccer game or somebody's going to have something that comes up or something's going to get rescheduled or whether it's going to be adverse or whatever, and you're going to be tempted to say, let's cancel this month. And I'm saying, don't cancel. Don't cancel. If it's just your family at your house and where the place was supposed to be, because you're already good. That's the good thing about meeting in people's homes. At least one family is going to show up every time. We, we had a life group in somebody's house, a, a lady's house because she knew her husband would never go to anybody else's house, so we just met at her house, and her husband was always there. He never left when we got there, but he was always there. And so meet, meet together, have fellowship together, even if it's just the few people that are there, whoever can come, because if you start canceling, Or rescheduling, then all of a sudden what happens is is it starts to drift and you say, Well, let's just do it the following month. And you're and they were they were doing this all the time, sometimes every day. They weren't doing it once a month. And people say, Well, can we do it once a week? I'm like, Absolutely you can meet once a week. You can meet every day if you want to. The minimum is once a month. So absolutely do not compromise that date. Do not compromise the once a month getting together because that you're already down to 12 times a year, 12 times a year. My wife was saying how important it was for me to keep track of my mom. And she said, you need to, we need to at least go visit your mom once a month. And I said, Kim, that's 12 times a year. I don't know if I can see my mom 12 times a year. I was being sarcastic because I was pointing out that's that may be a little bit limited, <laughs> you know. She may want to see me, her precious son, more times than twelve times a year. I'm her only son, but still precious. Meet. See how simple it is? Just get together for fellowship intentionally. That means you gotta write it down, you gotta make every effort to get there, and recognize, of course. Always get this embedded in you. The enemy is going to try to keep you from being there. He's going to do everything he can to hinder you from getting there. He's going to do everything, and your flesh is going to fight against you. The world is working against you. That's because it's important. Because the people that you're meeting with need you to be there. We are sharing burdens with one another. We need to meet. We need that encouragement. Everything that God commands us to do as the church, there has to be a time when we get together with other people in order to do the things that He's told us to do as God's people. You can't love people that you never see or engage. Second thing, I don't think there should be a problem with this. If I was going to talk about fasting next, that would be a struggle. But we're just talking about eating. Just eat. This is what fascinates me about every church we've worked together with to create these life groups. And you so say, you do this in every church? Every church should have some type of small groups where people get together and do these things because I'm taking it straight out of God's Word. It's what the church has done for 2,000 years. Meet together in people's homes, eat, eat, and pray. Now, here's the fun part about eating. I already know this about you. I know you eat. I absolutely know this. I know everybody in this room eats. So, this is just a question of food. I was listening to a comedian not too long ago, and he said, You know, what's really the saddest thing in the world is when you ask a girl out. And she won't go out with you at all. And you have to think in your mind, that means that she. I'm offering her a free meal and she's not even willing to sit with me through a free meal. That's how little she thinks of me. And sometimes I think maybe this is what we think about each other. I'm not, when we are not getting together to eat together, what we're really saying is, You're not even worth a meal of time. I'm going to eat. I just would prefer not to eat with you. And churches become like high school cafeterias where we all grab our trays. We look at you and think, "Mm, I don't think so. And we move over to somewhere else. It's just too much trouble, isn't it? It's too much trouble for us to, we're going to eat, but it's much easier for me to eat without you than to eat with you. This is what my children thought as they were growing up in our home. Now, they didn't think that when they were little because they knew that we were their sole place of sustenance. It was when they got a driver's license. When they had a driver's license and the ability to go somewhere else to eat and not eat at our table, that now we had to ratchet things up a little bit. We had to say things like, we're going to have a meal and you should be in that chair when the meal starts because you're still part of this family and we're gonna have time where we eat together you're not going to choose to be somewhere else all the time there can be exceptions but on a regular basis we're gonna eat right here now that was something we all had to fight for I had things going on at church that would hinder me from being there Kim had things going on in her life that would hinder her from being there Every one of our kids had things going on in their life that would hinder them from being there. If you're going to have a meal together in your home, you have to fight for that. You have to make that happen. You have to desire it to happen. You have to see the importance of it. And you have to see that it happens. And what we're talking about here with Life Groups is we're talking about extending our family once a month to include other families. So that we're eating with not just our own family, but other families as well. Making our households bigger breaking bread together look what he says in verse 42 he says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching to the fellowship to the breaking of bread they were devoted to the breaking of bread see eating meals together is a basic component of community We need to eat together, break bread together. Now, we do this in one way. On the fifth Sunday, when there's a fifth Sunday in a month, we have what we call communion, which is gathering together. We call it the Lord's Supper. There is bread that has been broken, and we share that bread together. Now, that's the nastiest bread you will ever eat. I hope you do not serve this at your home when you're there but it is unleavened bread now I just say that from just a purely taste perspective I I realize it represents the body of Christ and has great meaning in that but I, I think we're being dishonest with one another if you and I think that we have that as a snack in the cabinet that when I'm watching a TV show or something I go in there hey give me some of that unleavened bread I want a snack on that while I'm watching a movie I don't do that it doesn't taste good but it represents something very powerful And that is the breaking of bread, the unleavened bread they participate in during the Passover time. They were in a rush, couldn't let the bread leaven. So that's the bread they ate. We eat that as a means of coming together. Now, God is not saying that that's what you have to eat when you come together, when you break bread. Because, and this is something, it's a very American thing. Because in other cultures... They would be listening to this message going, what are you talking about? We do this all the time. And when I travel to other places and, and participate, they do. They break bread all the time. They will make the bread right there with you as you're sitting there talking to them. They don't even know me. I'm a stranger. I'm sitting there with them. And they're making the bread and saying, hey, we're making some bread. We're Stay with us. We're make the bread, drink some tea, and we're going to share this together. Because that's what people do. We break bread together. It's a sign of fellowship, and they're just trying to say we're just reaching out to you with hospitality. We have so much. That's because this has been entrenched in our in the world for generations upon generations. But we have gravitated away from it because we live in a very hurried society. We live in a very materialistic world. We are very agenda-driven and very ambition. You think about it. We are always trying to accomplish something more than what we have. So we've got to do this and experience this and go here and be here and get this picture over here and and make this happen and this, and what are you going to do? I'm going to do this, 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 this. And I I get it. I'm the world's worst at it. I have a trip that I'm planning right now to hike to base camp because it's just something I always want to do with my boys. And so it's kind of our father-son trip, and it's going to be probably a year from now or whatever. We're already thinking through it or whatever. But Dad did say this time we're going with a Christian group. And I said and to the boys and the people we're talking to, we want to meet people. We want to spend time with them. We want to break bread with them along the way. As we're making this journey, we want to have an opportunity to share the gospel with people. To make the most of the trip. So it's not just some vanity trip where we're just rushing to do something to check something off our bucket list. So we want to do something we want to do. But at the same time, make the most of building relationships. And that's what this is when you go when you go to see we got oh, we got a soccer thing going on this weekend. Well, eat with some people. Go out to eat with other people. Don't just eat by yourself. Make a point to go out with other people. And if they don't know the gospel, share the gospel. You say, I don't know if they know the gospel, then ask them. Are you followers of Jesus? What's your faith like? What if they get offended and don't want to eat with you anymore? Really? Are we still there? Are you still at the point where you're afraid of offending people? Knowing that they could spend eternal separation from God for all eternity and be damned for all of eternity? And you don't want to take the risk? of making them mad at a meal just by offering a question that nobody's ever been offended by that I've ever asked. When they do surveys, most people are not offended when people ask about their faith. They're offended when you judge them. And You say, if you say you're going to hell because of what you believe, that messes with people a little bit. might hold off on that. But just to simply ask people, so, what's your faith journey? My experience is people will share it. And you say, Well, now that you've shared your faith journey, huh? let me share my faith journey. And then you look, you listen. You listen for cues when they say, I haven't really figured it out yet. And then you say, Well, have you ever considered following Christ? Let me show you what. It means to be a follower of Jesus. You might share something with them that they never thought about. You may have given them information they've never had before. You're looking for the quick gain of the Holy Spirit. You're looking for the Holy Spirit doing something. And all this taking place while you're eating. Because we all eat. So set an intentional time together. And you say, I don't... I mean, think about it. Just set the time that you would normally eat You're going to eat at this time, in this month, on this day. I'm just saying, we're not going to eat by ourselves this time. Come eat with us. Make it that easy. So I don't have time for a five-hour meeting when they don't have a five-hour meeting. Just stick together and eat. Now, I've had five-hour meetings when we did this, and it's because of this last component, and that's the pray component. The pray component is when you invite Jesus to the meal. You've got these other people there. Now you're saying, hey, let's take a moment and invite Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about soccer weekends here. I'm talking about this is that intentional meeting once a month when you've invited people of faith to your home, people of faith that find some type of connection with this church, this body of believers, I'm inviting you in. We're breaking bread together so we can get to know one another, enjoy each other's company, and now we're going to invite Jesus into our discussion by praying. And it's a very simple thing we tell everybody to do. Get in a circle. Form a circle. best you can. It doesn't have to be a perfect circle. Don't have one of those people that puts a nail in the center of the room and takes a string and draws it around. If you got one of those people, uh, well, I hope you're like that, too. Uh, but just where you can see each other. Now, sometimes this is, I don't try to make rules about this, but sometimes you'll see a group of chairs around, and then people can't fit the chairs all in, so they'll put a chair behind another chair. Try not to do that. You, you see what's happening there, right? You have a circle, and then you got some people outside the circle. That's really a, a small row. Find a way to get whether what type of shape you have to take, but all the chairs everybody facing and nobody looking at the back of anybody else's head. Everybody facing one another. And then just simply begin to share with one another what's going on in your world. You can pray a little bit before. So, Jesus, we're getting ready to share what's going on in our world. We just want to invite your presence into this place. You can do that. You can not do that and know that he is, his presence is in that place. But the idea is, is that Jesus is now here a part of this discussion. This, in every church I've ever pastored, every life groups we've ever get started, this is the most difficult part. Because I'll, I'll talk to life group hosts, and I'll say, hey, how'd your life group go this month? And they'll say, oh, we went bowling. i said, oh, you went bowling for your life group. So, And I'm like, hey, so where did you pray? Oh, well, we didn't get to that. Everybody got scattered in different ways and so forth. It's like, well, then you didn't have your life group meeting. You went bowling. There was no breaking of bread. There was no praying. Jesus wasn't invited in. Now, if you get Jesus bowling with you, and I want pictures, I want to see that. But what you're doing is saying, let's have some type of recreational event, and let's see this happen. Let's look at what it says, this last thing. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. This is... Not optional. This is this is why I don't encourage life groups for this meeting. Now, life groups can have Bible studies. Life groups can go bowling. Life groups can go on a hiking trip. You can do whatever you want to do together as a group of people. Because I'm all for that. I'm all for bonding experiences and building things where you have these relationships. But do not... Do not compromise this one meeting where you get together to share one another, share burdens one another, and pray. Praying together helps us to fulfill the biblical mandate to bear one another's burdens. Yes, it is a biblical mandate to bear one another's burdens. Pray together. Pray together. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him hate, lay, anoint him with oil, lay hands on him, and he will be healed. This is an opportunity when somebody's sick and so forth. There you are as a group of people. Our first, one of our first life groups we had, we would, every meeting we would do this, and, and I encourage people to try different things in your prayer time. But we would start out our prayer time by putting a chair in the middle of the room. And we just ask this question, who needs the chair? And everybody knew what we were talking about, and that is who is carrying a huge burden tonight? If we had new people that would show up that night, they would get the chair. We would put them in the chair, and this is what we would do. We would lay hands on them. And then everybody, laying hands on them, would pray for them. We wouldn't tell everybody they had to pray. We'd say, we're just going to have a season of prayer. It, it was the most powerful thing ever, because I remember when we very first started, two of the ladies that came said, I, we were going to share in an burdens and two of them shared. They said, you know what, a big burden, I've never prayed in public before. I've never prayed out loud. They said, I, I've always felt awkward about that because I feel like people judge me because, you know, I've been a Christian all these years and, 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 they, and they have these prayer things and people don't ask and so forth. And they said, I just don't feel comfortable praying. They said, But, you know, would you pray for me? I said, You know, okay, you don't have to pray tonight, but we're going to put you in the chair. So we put them side by side in the chair, and the rest of us in the group laid hands on them and prayed for them to overcome that fear and that God would release them from this. Next week, new family comes. We give them the chair. And they had some other burden or whatever they were sharing because we said, what's, what's troubling you? And everybody always had something. Everybody's had something, whether a family member was sick or something going on in their life or a relationship with their teenager or whatever. So we put them in the chair and we lay hands on them. So we say, and we would do it the same way each time. I would say, I'm going to, uh, Kim's going to start. I'll close this. Everybody take time to pray. Who wants to pray? we we'll just have a season of prayer. And after an extended silence, I will close this out. So we're praying. And during that prayer, the two ladies we prayed for the week before, each of them prayed aloud. And it was a holy moment. Because we, just, we were getting, and, and the couple sitting in a chair has no idea what's happening. We just had our prayer from the week before answered right there praying for them. The coolest part about that particular life group, and we've got so many great life group stories, that particular life group, what was so cool about that is we had new people every single week. And people would hear about it, and they said, "Can we come?" And they said, "Can we put a prayer shawl over us?" So we're like, "Whatever, you know. Can we put some oil on it? Whatever. You just we're just praying. Whatever you whatever makes you feel better. But we're always going to pray to Jesus, and we're always going to pray in the Holy Spirit. We'd have people that say, "I'm going to go out and witness to somebody. Would you all pray while we're witnessing?" And we would fast together and pray together. God does amazing things. A church was born out of that gathering today I'm going to ask you to do this I'm asking if you would just make a commitment today make a commitment to expand your family just make a commitment to expand your family to include other families of faith uh, and, and specifically, people who are part of this church. Now, we we don't like, like I said, I don't like rules, but I do say this: if people uh, to think of somebody as being available to be in your group, if they're if they're a part of another church, the reason why we don't ask this is because you're kind of pulling somebody away from another pastoral relationship. So they go, they're submitting to the leadership of another pastor. And, and, the, and Unless they haven't been to church in the last six months. It's kind of a nice little guideline. If they haven't been to church anywhere in the last six months. I consider them open game. If I don't see you in any form or capacity as a part of our church for six months, I'm assuming you're looking to go somewhere else or being connected to another place. Now, it's a little bit different right now in this COVID world. But it's kind of the same standard. I would rather you be active with a fellowship on a regular basis than not be here, only be here once every year. And I know that's true for other pastors. They would rather you be here in this body of believers than not being there. I've never I've never met a pastor who didn't think that way because our, our, we know that you need to be equipped and trained and minister to and you need the body of Christ. So here's, here's the thing to make this commitment if somebody else has asked me to participate I'm going to try it out I'm going to go meet with them eat with them pray with them get a free meal out of it and if nobody's called me I'm going to call somebody else I'm going to call somebody and I'm going to keep calling until somebody says yeah I would like to meet with you now this this isn't high school this isn't somebody, if they say, I want to meet in another group and not meet in your group, you know, I don't want you to write out notes, you know, I want you in my life group. Do you want to be in my life group? Check yes or no, you know, and if they say no, and you're like, oh, I'm dejected. It's not, that's not what this is about. If nobody wants you, I'll take you, you know, I'll be like Mother Teresa. I, I will, we'll take you. We'll create another life group and you can be a part of it. But here's, I know that there, there's all kinds of dynamics in relationships. This is just about connecting people together. And, and when we first start this out, you may go into a group and say, ooh, this isn't working, or this isn't working my schedule, or "This, we don't have, It's just, there's a chemistry that's not here. And you say, well, and this group over here, God's brought us together, and you want to go meet. That's fine. Just don't don't freak out over these things. Don't let the enemy have his way in getting in our thoughts on these things. This is about simply meeting with other people in the body of Christ eating a meal with them and then sharing the burdens that they have being vulnerable the number one thing you need to ask yourself is do I trust these people be in a group of people that you trust that you can share that you can be vulnerable with that you can be transparent with because you need that you and I need that it makes us stronger against the enemy so just make that commitment and if you already have those friends in your life if you already have people that you get together with and that you meet with be purposeful in getting together and meeting with them and praying with them but today I'm just going to ask you would you pray for them would you see this as an opportunity to be the friend that you need to be to be that fellow person of faith Take advantage of this opportunity. I hope you'll do this every week. We have these opportunities to pray and so forth. And, and there's all kinds of things to pray for. Operation Christmas Child and all these things. But We'd like to create these stairs, make it kind of an altar area and so forth, a place to pray, a place to come and meet, commune with God. We have chairs up here in the front. If you want to kneel in front of a chair or just sit in a chair or whatever. But just a sign of saying, you know what? I, I want to take advantage of this moment and just humble myself before God and because I've got this person on my heart, this person burden that i'm carrying for someone else and i need to bring it before the throne of god it should this should be a place where we come together and we worship the lord when we leave here we leave here lighter than when we came in because we've released our burdens to him and the invitation is just that it's about releasing those burdens to the lord so just make a commitment and say god i'm gonna i'm gonna extend our we're gonna extend our family circle incorporate some other people into it i don't know who they're i don't even know who they're gonna be but we're gonna do that and if you've already done that, would you pray for those people that are that extended family circle? That's how simple that is. And of course, always, if you're saying, I'm not even a part of the family of God, I'm not even a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to pray with you today. Come talk to me. I'll share with you the good news about Jesus Now he died for your sins, how he gives you eternal life, how simple it is to follow him in faith. It's not not easy after that. I'll give you that. But he's already done all the work that saves you. You just have to trust him. And I'll tell you all about that. Just come talk to me. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, God, for how good and great you are. Lord, we get comfortable in our own homes. We got it just the way we like it. Sometimes we don't just child-proof our homes, we people-proof our homes. We don't like other people coming into it and messing it up. Lord, may we release that today. May we give our homes to you. May we give our houses to you, to use for your glory. Say, God, you blessed me with this living place. And now I want to make it available to you to use for your glory. May it be a place where people can come together and break bread together and share fellowship together and pray together. Or may we make that available to you today. And more so than our homes, Lord, may we make our lives available. May we just lay our lives before you. Say, Lord, use my life. Change the world. In Jesus' name. Stand with me as we have just this time of invitation. Again, make the commitment where you are, but this is a time just to make a commitment and come pray for somebody. Either to say, yes, Lord, we're going to do it, and I want to show that visibly. I want to step out in faith. I'm going to come up here, and I'm going to pray to make that commitment, or you're going to pray for somebody else. But take that step. Let's step of faith. Do something you haven't done before. Open up your home, open up your family, open up your heart as we put these groups together. And we're going to keep beating this drum till every single person who's connected to this church is meeting together with other believers, eating together with other believers, and praying together with other believers in this church. it me very practical instruction before we leave. If you decide to meet together with another person, I would like to be a part of your first meeting. If it's by the phone, you're doing it over the phone and I'll be a part of that conference call. If you do it on Zoom, I'll be part of that Zoom meeting. If you need help with Zoom or some type of conferencing software or some way to say, we want to get together. How do we even do this? We will help you. We will show you how to do that and put that together. If you do, are brave enough to get together in person, and I want to be a part of that. If you say, well, I'm brave enough to get together with other people, but we don't want you in the room. Um, I'll wear a mask and stand outside, and you can open up a window, and I'll just talk through the window. But I want to be a part just to kind of encourage you, just to help your group understand the importance of you being there and meeting together and eating together, praying together. Yeah, I might get a free meal out of it, but still, uh, a lot of free meals if you keep asking me. Uh, But uh, that's why I'm running. So I'm getting ready for this, trying to be prepared. But the idea is just making this happen. It takes that first step. So just let me know. Send me a text message or email or call the church, say, Pastor, this is when we're getting together and so forth. If I absolutely can't be there, then I'll send Daniel or somebody like that. uh, Daniel can eat a free meal or two. Uh, But the the thing is, is, it's so important to make this happen. And this is the way you should think of it say, well, we're not getting together during this COVID time. I'm gonna tell you, I have four children. If you said, well, because of the coronavirus, you can't contact your four children through this entire time, that's not gonna happen. Okay, we are we found a way to communicate with one another in even the most adverse of times. My mother, when she was at risk, we still found ways to communicate, even if we didn't get close or whatever, we found ways to communicate. That's what this is about. It's finding ways to stay connected together no matter what the enemy throws at us, and so we want encouraging that. This is our time of giving, and so just as we leave today, there are four boxes that Randy so graciously built for us to put our offering in, and so forth. A little bit non-traditional, but uh, but that's uh, there's other ways to give as well, online and uh, through uh, online. I guess that's the other way. Yeah, you can throw money at Daniel or something, put it in his text. guitar. A text. A text. There you go. 12, text giving. Thank you. Yes, two three three one three three five. Yeah, I'm sure they all got that. There you go. But uh, where is that? Where do they get that information? Is it? There's a slide. I don't know if it's, it's in there, but yeah. it's also on our website. It's also it on our website. website. There you go. Good news. All right. Let me pray you out. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Father, we just thank you, God, for how amazing you are. And may you go with us. Take us out of here. Lord, fill with your Holy Spirit. I pray that everyone who was carrying a burden when they walked in this room took a moment to lay that burden before you and realize, Lord, that um, you release us of those things. Father, you died, forgave us for our sins. Lord, your blood was shed to cover us, all our guilt, all our shame, so that we could walk out of here in newness of life. May we take advantage of that and go out of here, people renewed in faith. And Lord, connect us together. Help us begin forming relationships, Lord, lifelong relationships, Lord, that will help us to be stronger in the body of Christ, to protect each other, to help each other, to serve each other, to admonish one another, and to build each other up. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.